Hey folks, welcome to Boys Will Be Human. This podcast is about toxic masculinity. It is a set of behaviors like suppressing emotions, keeping an appearance of hardness, and using violence as an indicator of power. It does not allow boys to express how they feel, and when that builds up inside without a healthy expression, some dangerous events can happen. Also, being toxic doesn't automatically mean you are hurting others. You can still hurt just yourself and be toxic. Number one, suppressing emotions can be a one-person example. I am toxic, we all have been or are, and it's because of our culture that has instilled certain gender norms that we have to follow. I believe this is the cause of many problems in this world, and step one is to talk about it. Talk about our feelings, our ups, our downs, our experiences, and our solutions for a better future. Thank you so much for listening. Let's begin. Before we get started, I actually just wanted to say happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. And uh, I'm very excited about this talk because I talked to three moms and they all have very young sons at home. Yeah, for them to take the time out of their very, very hectic days, I'm assuming, um, to do this podcast, uh, it means a lot to me. So I hope you enjoy. All right, everybody, thanks for joining us for this very special, I always say very special episode, but this is actually a very special episode. This is our Mother's Day episode. I first wanted to pose uh, this first question by saying, what was your first reactions to realizing or being told that you were having a son? I I was really excited. And we, um, I had initially thought I was going to try and be surprised. And then I was like, I can't wait that whole time. <laughs> I can't, I can't live that way. Um, so we got the envelope um, from our doctor's office and had my husband read it first. And then he knew for about a day and a half. Um, and kept that secret from me until he was ready to tell me what the, what the gender was. Um, and, and I didn't really, you know, I wasn't hoping one way or the other. I, we were just so excited to have a baby. Um, and I don't know, then we were, we were sitting at dinner and he just, uh, he raised a glass, you know, and I raised my water, of course. Um, and he said, uh, and to our baby boy, um, and it was just a, it was a really special moment. And I, I think at what I first felt was just excitement. And I would have had that same excitement had it been a daughter. But I think I just remember, you know, yeah, just a rush of, it, it just suddenly felt real that we were having a baby at all. But he knew for a day and a half with, and you were like, did you know yeah. that he knew? Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. And he wanted So okay. I had, I had gone to the doctor's office. I picked up the envelope with all the test results and the gender and I kept it sealed and handed it over to him. Okay. And then he waited until, <laughs> until he was ready to share with me. <laughs> oh my God. He teased me a lot during that day and a half too. <laughs> <laughs> I'll share because you mentioned uh, not finding out. We actually didn't find out until um, our first son was born. And so um, we kind of, we didn't know either way. We didn't care either way also. And long story short of my birth and everything ended up having an emergency C-section. So I found out the moment he was pulled out and I didn't feel well at that moment, right? I'm like, and no one tells you, you feel like <laughs> nauseous after that. So they're like, it's a boy. I'm like, okay. So in that moment, I don't know what to feel, but I was, I was a little bit shocked because we had just started having this like inkling that it might be a girl, but I was like, oh my gosh, it's a boy. And so maybe some of my first thoughts are like, okay, I just, am I going to be a good mom to a boy? How will we relate to each other? How's this going to go? So just like some questions, but ultimately excite, excitement. And yeah, just so excited on 
our relationship now. But I think the bonding at the beginning was harder than I imagined. I don't think moms talk about that a lot. Like you don't always feel like an instant connection to your baby. So Mm. um, that took time, but it's like, it's really exciting now. We, I could have waited, but my husband could not have waited. Um, (laughs) And, but we, I got the envelope you know, early on, I, I, when did they do it? Like 10 or 12 weeks, but my husband and I weren't together. He was in Mexico and I was in California. So I held on to the envelope, didn't open it for like, I don't know, a month and a half or two months until we were together. And then we'd had like our own mini gender reveal, um, at a little, at a restaurant, we had a, the wait staff, like put together a dessert that if it was this way, it was a boy. And if it was this way, it was a girl. And, but it was funny because the results were in English and we were at a restaurant in, in Mexico. Um, and so the, they did it right. But the girl, the, the server was so worried. She was like, okay, like, here's your dessert. Okay. Now can you please open the test results? Because I want to make sure that we did this right. (laughs) Like what if we told you it was a boy and it's really a girl. Um, I sort of felt like from the moment that I knew I was pregnant, I kind of knew, um, I just had a feeling that it was a boy. So I think, I don't know, we were all, we were really happy. And I think there's a lot, obviously lots of things to be worried and scared about, but there's so much power in being able to raise young gentlemen. So I think I was just really excited about that. Is there any like scientific evidence to like know that it's a boy or is it just like all mother's intuition? There's a whole lot of like old wives tales of different ways. Like you'll have people come up to you constantly and be like, Ooh, see the shape you're more wide or you're more pointy. So this means it's a girl, but I would get opposite ideas all the time. So I don't know. Maybe. (laughs) Does anyone else know? Well, I had a friend that was pregnant at the same time as me and our, we looked exactly the same. Like after Mm. I, and she, that was her third kid and she looked different than her first two daughters and it ended up being a girl. They waited till the end, but the whole time she thought it was a boy because we looked the same and Mm. yeah, it's totally, but they did have all these like silly ways in Mexico of determining what it was. And now I kind of forget what they are, but there's like, if you hold gold a certain way, or if it turns a certain way, or like, if you do, oh, mm-hmm. like if somebody asks you, show me your hands and you show them like this, it's a girl. But if you show them like this, it's a boy, like all these dumb things. But I mean, and for my case, they all were saying boy. So who knows? <laughs> I didn't, I didn't have a guess, but my husband had a guess and he, he was right. So I don't know if there was some fatherly intuition there. Or... <laughs> At the end of the day, it's like, it's a 50, 50 chance. It's very true. Yeah. I've always, I've always heard of those kind of ideas of old wives tales of like, you gotta, even like, even down to the way they're conceived, just like, if you want a boy, you gotta do like this. If you want a girl, I'm like, is that true? I obviously I'll never know because I will never be able to birth a child, but I was just wondering if there was (laughs) like actually like, yeah, any scientific evidence. Um, Insane. Do you feel any kind of extra pressure or any kind of pressure at all, I guess, having a son or raising a son? I mean, when you asked the question, it made me made me think about that a little bit. I think, oh man, with like the Me Too movement and everything like that, you of course want to raise a son who's going to be respectful of women and people in general, um, who's going to you know, make a safer and more equitable world, like, you know, treat people with respect, um, know about consent and boundaries. So just your question made me think about these things, you know, that there is some pressure. Um, 
and I saw a really good, I'm, I'm going to share a quote. <laughs> I saw it on Instagram, it. but there's a, an author and consultant. She has a social justice parenting handle, Dr. Tracy Baxley. And she said, parenting is activism. What we teach in the privacy of our homes shows up in the public spaces of society. So when I saw that, like you know, a few weeks ago, I was like, oh, that's good. Like, and sometimes I, I'm a stay-at-home parent right now. Sometimes I'm like, what am I doing? Am I helping raise the, I don't know, what am I doing? But hearing that parenting and teaching these little things about respect or like when I tickle my sons, we say red light, green light. That means like, stop, you know, when, when he says red light to me, I'll stop tickling him. Just little stuff like that, that he can get yeah. into his mind that he will, res- I'll respect him when he says no. And then he'll respect me when I say no just it's it's cool to know that those things are building good humans and are hopefully things that he'll put into practice as a grown person and not know about those things so it's it's cool as moms that we can do that and parents in general yeah i i think you're you're spot on all those things that you mentioned are are things that i definitely have been worried about for the last i guess I guess two years ago ish, we found out he was a boy when I was still pregnant. Um, but something to know that will probably color a lot of my responses is that my son was born very early. He was born at 25 weeks um, and he weighed two pounds with a lot of complications. Um, so we've been sort of in a <laughs> this alternate universe as well. Um, you know, living, living through all of that. Um, so I feel like, almost some sometimes you know looking at those bigger questions of what his life are like the aspect of raising him as a boy sometimes like uh those questions get pushed to the back because we're so focused on raising a child with epilepsy raising a child with uh you know all these different conditions that we're managing but yeah that that is definitely something it does come into my sight. Um, and I, I think I notice it most in moments where gender is called out from like an external source. Like if <laughs> last summer we, um, he sleeps in a little sleep sack, you know, and we needed a really lightweight one. And I was like, okay, what's the fastest one that can get here? And this adorable, like white sleep sack with little um, pink flamingos this is the one we're like, great. Didn't think anything else about it until yeah. we had to take him to the ER that's, you know, kind of far for the course in our family. And they were transferring him to his inpatient room and all the nurses just kept being like, oh, she's so cute. Oh, she's, oh, she's, oh, she's, oh, she's. And I was like, oh, right. Like, I didn't even think about, you know, like, oh, we've gotten our boy this pink sleep sack, you know, in our house. Like, we're, we were just like, oh, that's just Lincoln's sleep sack. And then we're suddenly like, oh, yeah, blue and pink are the, the <laughs> colors that we've assigned to, to boys and girls. So it's like external moments like that where I'm like, oh, right. Yes. Society's expectations or um, another time that I really think about um, gender dynamics are when I read books, because even though we've done a, a really good job trying to get as many like female centered stories on our bookshelves, there's still a lot of like books where, you know, we have this really great alphabet construction site one. And I really like the text. It has a fun rhythm and it's, you know, like lighthearted and fun. And he, it's a lot of orange colors, which he can see pretty well. So, but I was reading through and I was like, Oh no, all of these, um, uh, construction vehicles are all male. So now when I just read through it, I just like change 
I just changed the pronouns. I'm like, well, he can't read. So he's not going to know that these are not just like a female dump truck and a female concrete mixer. Um, you know, so I've been trying to make a lot of like simple swaps like that to have more um, female characters at the forefront of his awareness, whether or not he's aware of that yet, which I don't think we're quite there. But I guess maybe I'm training myself more <laughs> to tell stories in that way for him. That's so true. I think so much of it is exposure. So like, I could just like sit here and say yes, yes, yes to everything you guys both just said. Yeah. So I think like a lot of these questions we're, we'll be answering for the next 20 years. Exactly. Um, like, you know, <laughs> Leo, Leonardo is like, just now becoming so affectionate, which is really, really fun. And it's still at like a, a young age that it doesn't really matter who he get, goes and gives a big fat kiss on the lips, you know, but at some point, like, what will we do about that? Right? Like, I don't know. I don't know if it's like, you know, it's okay to kiss these people because they're family, but not these people. Like, I don't know at what point does that start to like, when do we draw those boundaries or do we just not because he's an affectionate kid and that's how he shows love like I I, yeah. I don't know like there's so many and I, I feel like for girls you maybe not ask that as quickly like oh they're so sweet they can give hugs and kisses like I, I don't know I had just have questions about your question <laughs> like <laughs> something that we're gonna be figuring out for a long time I think um, but I think the exposure Josie that you mentioned too is so true and I think that even is true about social justice and race relations like I'm actually really impressed with how much better children's books have gotten since when we were little kids. Like I, we have a book that has female mechanics in it. And like a lot of the books have people of all colors and shapes and sizes and genders, you know? So I think that is really, really great. It's not, it's not going to be like weird to see people in different roles because he'll be already exposed to it which I think is really helpful yeah I totally agree with the exposure thing too I think with cartoons like I've been trying to weed out ones that are just white centric or male centric only like where okay let's go through Netflix let's see you know where can he see an example of a brown boy like my my son is half Filipino and actually when I say half I'm starting to think about he's mixed um, I don't want to use fraction, fractions anymore, but anyways, that's a slip on my part, but, um, uh, just showing him examples of brown boys like him and girls in shows, but it, yeah, it takes some effort to do those things. But I, I like what you guys are saying on that. Has there been like an interest of your sons where it's like, with like the construction, with like the construction trucks with, um, with your son, Josie, has there ever been like, yeah, but let's, like, I don't know if there's ever been like any trepidation towards any kind of stereotypical interest nowadays? We're not quite developmentally there yet. Um, he's, it, I guess I didn't fully say this earlier, but he's also um, developmentally disabled. So he's not quite to that, that point. But what I will say is that um, it's fascinating to watch when his therapists come over, because a lot of developmental therapists, physical therapists, occupational therapists that come over and um, work with him. And it's fascinating to watch them navigate and sort of tiptoe around like, um, hey, I don't know how you guys feel about this, but we think it would be really helpful if Lincoln had maybe a baby doll. And we're like, oh yeah, actually we do have one already. You know, like <laughs> that's not something we're concerned about. Um, but you can sort of see like 
through there the way they tiptoe around like oh that has maybe not been the case in other families where they've had to make that suggestion you know um so we haven't quite seen that opposite side but we've seen that sort of like through our therapist's eyes um a little bit sort of the opposite of (laughs) the question you asked (laughs) no it's all good it's all good i was just i'm just curious about that kind of stuff because i would think about that but i also don't want to stop like if i have a son and he likes blue i don't want to be like no you can't like blue because of of this because it doesn't automatically mean something same thing if like if he wants to go into sports it's just like i don't want to stop anyone from having their interests but i also want them to be aware of other perspectives i have no i'm obviously i'm not a parent so i have no idea what i'm talking about but i've always wondered if there's any kind of trepidation now that it's more kind of open to everyone doing the same thing rather than just boys doing this and just girls doing this or it's starting to get to that point obviously all three of you are on the front lines of what it it means to have a child at that age i mean my son kai he's the three and a half four-year-old he loves trucks and monster trucks and that's just like from him like we didn't say like here's a you know i don't know maybe we did but um he loves that and we encourage that, but I also want to just encourage when I see him being super nurturing to his baby brother, like he'll do real, he'll say really sweet stuff. Like, Oh, just look at him. Just look at him. And he like pinches his cheeks and he's just like really sweet. And he's not always sweet to his brother, but (laughs) I want it's, I think it's just noticing both things like the nurturing side of him and encouraging and, and not saying, Oh, toughen up. Don't be like that. You know, I think, yeah. Encouraging both things like, oh, that's cool. You like sports. That's cool. You like monster trucks. Like, and I'll watch those things with him, you know, and, and mommy likes those things too. It's not weird for mommy to like the monster truck with you. So yeah. just joining him in what he likes and letting him like a lot of different things, but not kind of pinning any of those things as negative. Like if he's wearing a, you know, his dad's favorite color is pink. And so we put them in pink shirts sometimes too. And like you said, Josie, like other people are what comment on it. I'm like, yeah, his dad's favorite color is pink. Don't they look great? You know, so just kind of just leaving it neutral and good. Yeah. I think like, again, it goes back to the exposure thing. It's like, if they're exposed to all these different toys, they get to choose with what they want to play with. I think in our case, a lot of it comes from, again, like external things. A lot of the toys he has are things that people have given him, which usually are trucks and cars and things like that. But he also will, he'll play with those things, but he also has like, um, you know, his stuffed animals. He likes to play with Tupperware. Like there's lots of different things that are completely gender neutral and it's sort of just letting him explore with his interests and I love what you said Mia too about not just the interests but of the emotions and of the the person that they become to be like not saying it's bad to have emotions or just toughen up or anything just like giving space to let them get it out you know even if that looks like anger sometimes or whatever it's just like get it out man it's okay it's okay I understand (laughs) I will say, um, as a, as a boy, I guess having that openness with their parents, especially whether it's just whether it's both or just one, it speaks volumes. I will say they might not say it out loud. Just having that exposure and having it be the everyday as well, I believe it'll 
the only positive. Because like one thing that my mom always did was she would like check my tires and be able to check the oil in my car. And growing up into this day, if I see a woman doing that, I'm not thinking, oh my God, there's a woman doing that. Because I saw my mom do it my whole life. And so it was just like, oh, well, that's just what she does. Because that's what mom, that's what moms do. That's what women do. Something that I'm also really cognizant of is like the immediate um, like sexualization of of children, you know, as soon as we told people that we were having a baby and that it was a boy, it's like this rush of, and I feel like I used to participate in this kind of talk too, but I try not to anymore of, um, oh, well, uh, this person has a girl, so they'll grow up and get married. And we (laughs) always now try to say, we don't know. We don't know if he's going to like girls. That's not, you know, we're not there yet. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he wasn't even born. Now we're like, he's just a baby. <laughs> um, you know, so aside, uh, in addition to like keeping interests open, we're also trying to say, you know, like we're not, you know, we're going to be here no matter what. Um, and, and that try to breed, try to erase some of the heteronormativity, at least out of our house, can't erase it out of all society (laughs) on our own, but um, trying to at least like lay that open foundation so that, you know, if he does ever come out to us that he'll know before he comes out even that, that this is a a safe house for that. Um, But it's crazy to me. Yeah. How quickly that came in. Um, Yeah. I thought that was fascinating. (laughs) Yeah, the pairing of little kids, but also like Leo is, you know, he's a very cute baby. Babies are cute. He's like, you can imagine him being handsome as a grown up or whatever. And so we get a lot of, oh, he's going to have so many girlfriends. He's going to break so many hearts. Oh, yeah. And to which I always say, that could be true, but he will respect them and (laughs) treat them well. And like, I make a point every single time because I know he's listening like he gets eventually he'll understand what is we're talking about and so I make a point to say like yeah maybe maybe he'll have lots of girlfriends maybe he'll have lots of boyfriends but he'll respect them and I I think it's funny because we have I have nieces that are around the same age and they're super cute blonde curly haired so super cute and I think they're my brother and sister-in-law get comments more like oh, you're going to have some real trouble on your hands. Like, you know, that's the complete opposite. Like, why is it good that my son is going to have a lot of girlfriends, but it's going to be really hard for them because they have two girls. Like, I mean, we're just as much at risk of like getting some girl pregnant, right? Like we are all responsible here. It's just like that kind of stuff drives me crazy. So I, I try and like, stop it in its tracks as soon as it comes in but it's it's just so prevalent it is insane how and i've definitely had that talk i've had had that talk in my vernacular too josie where it's just like like oh boy and a girl obviously then they're gonna get you know i've definitely done that and something else that the conversation about sort of interests um made me think of is because we have all these doctor's appointments and, you know, we're always getting, you know, an update on a prognosis and to almost to a doctor, they will often put his prognosis in terms of what sports he'll be able to play later. So like, for instance, when he had his brain surgery, he had, they had put this little like shunt device on the back of his head. And 
I swear, like three different times before and after surgery, the neurosurgeon was like, don't worry. He can still play football. He can play soccer. He can do anything, any sport he wants to do. All he can do, he can't be an astronaut because of gravity, but that's all, that's the only, he can, he can play football. Don't even worry. And we were like, I wonder like if we had a little girl in surgery, if that's a different set of things that you're seeing back. Um, and the pulmonologist too, you know, said he, you know, put it in terms of, um, he might not ever be an Olympian, but he'll be able to play cricket, you know? And I was like, so this is like the spectrum (laughs) for medically fragile boys is like, what sports does each doctor think they can play? And I do like want to, I should find a a mom with a daughter and see if they're, what, what are the, (laughs) What, what's the spectrum for girls that they get sort of a, a guess guesses about? Uh, yeah, because it's yeah. Sounds, I just thought that was fascinating. Because it sounds like the doctor's putting like his amount of success in his athleticism. Yes, mm-hmm. happens already too much. Yeah. Dang, that's ins- oh my god. That is yeah. crazy. And instead of just saying like he is a healthy and going to be strong young man like what i mean that's so much pressure to put on you guys and him that's crazy we my um sister-in-law my husband's sister was real sick as a baby and i don't know if they said anything like she'll be able to do this or that but i do remember like his parents always talk about how protective they were like not the parents but the doctors would say like just take really really extra good care of her she's going to be very fragile and weak and they didn't they didn't like over protect her at all and she's a super tough independent woman like didn't didn't really worry about any of that but I wonder like now that you're bringing that up like I wonder if the advice would have been different if it was my husband or if you know it was one of their sons yeah it's really interesting yeah Well, and this is, I guess, sort of veering more into mothers versus fathers. But another thing that I find fascinating is the immediate, you know, we talk a lot in a lot of mother spaces, I feel online about like the mental load and how much more of the mental load comes on to moms. And um, I you know, we have a pretty equitable household. My husband is a stay-at-home dad now, partly because of circumstances of COVID. Um, but we have immediately, you know, had all kinds of social workers in our lives and doctors and nurses, and now all of these developmental therapists. And it is fascinating to me that they will call me every time. And I, we can say over and over again, like, hey, dad is kind of the default parent during the week. Hey, dad is kind of the default parent. Hey, actually, can you text dad to schedule? Because he's the one you're going to be doing this with. And it is like pulling teeth to get people to understand that dad is the one who should contact. And what we finally ended up having to do is just saying, hey, if you're going to text us, text both parents. And somehow that can get through. They will, they're, they're okay texting mom and dad. But I'm, I think that's interesting that like we immediately, like, I think if we hadn't really made such a conscious effort to be more equitable, we would have just sort of been almost indoctrinated into this world of like only the mom can really has the capacity to manage, um, you know, these more complex systems that we're now navigating. Um, 
and I found I found that very frustrating. It continues to be a, a thorn in my side that I probably will have for the next <laughs> 17 years um, or more, maybe you know, depending on how everything goes. But um, yeah, that just really it surprised me to the extent to which people would, yeah, just not, you know, I don't pick up the phone. I might be in a meeting and they don't go, Oh, look, dad's number is right here too. They'll just wait 15 minutes and call me back. Um, you know, and I'm like, there's another really probably a parent who knows Lincoln better than I do. Um, mm-hmm. who's right there, you know, ready <laughs> to help and be a part of that. Um, yeah. So I think that's really interesting. Yeah. Do you ever get annoyed if your husband gets more, not more praise, but a a lot of praise for doing a lot less than you? You know, it's, I, it's, I don't get annoyed at that. Um, but what, what we really find frustrating is, um, when they just kind of assume that he's incompetent. Um, if you guys, I, Josh, you've met my husband, but you two haven't, he is like, animated and over the top like i i sit and work from home and watch them play and it's like an episode of sesame street not one that's playing on tv but just like we're doing numbers and now we're doing this and like everything is like this big cartoon there's voices there's playing he's so good and even after like watching him for months we'll have therapists come in and be like and now dad just like remember like be really super animated with him like dad remember to like keep him laughing and we're like have you met this dad? Like <laughs> he is doing all of that. And you're just kind of making this blanket assumption that he's not, not doing all of those things, even though it's happening right in front of your eyes or, or um, they'll be sitting and working on it and I'll be doing my work and she'll, uh, this is not somebody who's a therapist anymore, but um, <laughs> she would sit and even though I was working and dad was the one present in the session she would direct every single piece of feedback to me and I was just like I don't know how like do I need to like leave the room and like take my laptop (laughs) into Lincoln's room to work to get you to realize like this is dad's time and he is like totally capable um yeah. You know, perhaps more so of, of running this session and, and passing along the, anything that I need to know, he can pass that on to me later. Um, so those are the things that we get really frustrated about. This might be a little bit off topic, but do you think that um, there was anything that your husband's parents did that helped him take an active role? Since we're talking about like being mothers of boys, I like want to yeah. make sure my son is not inept. <laughs> I don't know if there was anything specific. I mean, I know one thing that um, my husband often talks about is that uh, like his dad would sometimes say things like, oh, your mom's coming home from work. We better make sure we get it all cleaned up for her. You know, so I think there were moments like that of of just, you know, establishing that it's not mom's job to do all of the cleaning. Beyond that, I think maybe part of that has just come from our circumstance where it has required such a like focused attention, you know, because we're there's not a lot of uh, not a ton of freedom for like, oh, he's over here. He's interested in that. We can just relax while he like plays with this toy because we always have to be like counting up his seizures to mark on the calendar. You know, there's just all kinds of little 
things that we're always looking for. So I think part of it was born out of that, um, that need for sort of a hyper focus and, and him being at home. I think, I think what you said about like you, because of the nature of your jobs, you ended up spending more time with him. I think that's part of where our dynamic came from. Ever sit up at night and wonder, does Britney Spears' first album still slap? Are Pop-Tarts still tasty? Or why is Bill Murray in Space Jam? Hi, I'm Molly. And I'm Sam. And we're here to help. We answer all these questions on the Hold Up podcast, where we revisit the things we liked as kids and see if they're still worth loving. Things like My Chemical Romance. Sister, Sister. And our dads. That one's a thinker. Listen to The Hold Up on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, before you became uh, before you became mothers, I know, Becca, you have two younger brothers, but did any of you have any experience with being around young boys as nephews or friends' children or anything like that? Uh, my best friend had a little brother who we were all so close that I, I consider him a little brother still. Um, and then... When I got older, my sister has a son. So I have a nephew uh, who's nine now. Oh, gosh, I think he's nine. Um, so that, that's been really fun. But uh, other than that, like I have a sister. My, my husband has a sister. So it's been a little bit, a little bit of a surprise, you know. But I'm the youngest of three. So I have a, my oldest sibling is my brother and then I have a sister and then me, but we're four years apart. So I was, you know, there's eight years difference between my brother and I. So we were in different school situations. And then all my cousins lived either up North or in a different state. So I wasn't around a lot of like boy cousins or anything like that, but I did, I did have guy friends. Um, but yeah, I don't think it was like the norm just to have like, um, not little boys around me, like, like cousins where yeah. they'd be around doing the things that they do. And I'm really familiar with it, but I was, because I was the youngest and my brother was eight years older. I have a specific like family video of my brother having all of his friends over for a birthday and my brother and I share a birthday actually. So I'm like running around chasing all these boys as like a two-year-old. <laughs> um, so I want, I was kind of like rough and tumble, wanted to be, you know, doing what they were doing. And I, you know, liked adventure and stuff like that, but not, um, where I was a little bit older and had little boys around me kind of like that. Yeah, I had two, like you said, Josh, I had two younger brothers. And I think that's probably initially why we were relieved to have a boy. Like, that's just what I'm used to, more, mm. much more used to being around. Oh, I wanted to ask you, Mia, um, just because you're the only one here with uh, two children so far. When you found out that your second child is going to be a, a boy as well, or you're going to have a second son, were you kind of like, all right, got this because we got all we got the first son's stuff or it was just or is it another challenge ahead? Um, it was more like what you said in the first thing. And and with the first pregnancy and stuff, we didn't find out, as I mentioned. But with the second one, I, I couldn't wait the second time. I was like, let's just find out. <laughs> and um, like Becca mentioned, we got so much stuff from other people. We happen to know a lot of families who had sons. And so we got all these hand-me-down stuff. So we just saved a lot of it. Um, because I was glad that with our first pregnancy, we didn't say the gender. So we did have a lot of gender neutral stuff still. Um, so we kept that, um, 
in case there was a girl or what either way you know it didn't matter because we just had a bunch of stuff yeah um and then yeah it's just been it's been neat seeing uh, my second son's name is finn just seeing his little personality and he's such a happy little guy and and kai just loves him so much and it's neat to see like the nurturing side as i mentioned just him we'll just get into back and forth like kai and i just going oh look at him and (laughs) we just like squeal so it's kind of fun to like do that with him like show him that sweetness and and encourage the sweetness that he has um over his little brother the cooing and the excitement but yeah he's definitely his own little person too um so who knows who knows what he'll be into and we'll see um is there anything that you'd want to share with like i guess any advice that you'd want to give to future moms of sons that are like anything that you didn't see coming that we should be aware of even if it's just like having a child it doesn't have to be like the fact that they're a boy just like the expectations and that's like I feel like goes along with everything from even preconception to pregnancy thing there's just so many expectations um and I remember in pregnancy that really really bothering me and like I didn't post on social media that we were pregnant. I just didn't want anybody's input. I got so sick of hearing, even from my very good friends who I love and trust and they love and trust me, like even the stuff that they were saying was like, well, you're going to feel this or this is going to happen in pregnancy. I just was like, and I know they were doing it from a place of love and they were excited and they just wanted to like share in the experience. But I just, I was like, this is my experience. Like, this is something that's happening in my body and like I want to experience I don't want you to tell me when I'm going to feel kicks I don't want to know and, and and everything that anybody said was wrong because everybody's experience is so different um and I think now like you know I, I feel like Mia is the most expert out of all of us because we still have very young <laughs> babies but I, I just I think it's so it's so much about preparing yourself that you can't stop that. People have expectations of who you are as a mom, who your baby is, whether about if it has to do with gender roles or anything, how they're going to eat, how they're going to sleep. Like everybody wants to tell you how to, are we allowed to cuss? I'll just say, yeah, I no, will just won't. Okay. <laughs> no, you, you can, you can okay, for sure. Okay. Yeah. I mean, everybody wants to tell you how to like do your shit and raise your child. And I think the, Thing that I've had to learn the most is you're a team with you and your child and your partner. If you have, if you're, you know, blessed to have a partner and like your support system around you and that's it. Like you make the rules, you raise your kid the way you want to raise your kid. One thing that I've been seeing a lot, I've been happy to see a lot on social media is this like kind of message of like, you are the perfect parent for your child. Like, your soulmates, you're the perfect parent for your child. And so like, there's so much doubt and so much like stress around that. And I think just going back to that is like, you held this being inside of you, you know them, they know you and just like trust that. And I think, I don't know, I don't know if that answers the question about sons specifically. I think it's more just about parenthood. Um, But yeah, just trusting yourself and like just ignore everybody's bullshit expectations. 
what you said made me think of when we when he first was born and he was just this tiny fragile thing having these big episodes of every day something medically was happening and the nurses would say to us all the time oh you're going to you know this baby better than we do you're going to know all these things you you're going to what do you think mom what do you think um you know about this and that and i remember in those first like time is such a blur in the NICU, but I would say the first like two weeks, I was like, that's bananas. You guys have nursing degrees. You work in the NICU. Some of you are doctors, like you're specialists. You do this. How in the world would I ever know this little tiny baby better than, than you do? Um, and then after a while, it, it was just like one day off the cuff. I don't remember what the circumstance was, but a nurse said, oh, I wonder if he's, and I went, oh, he's, you know, and I just like had some answer. Um, and I was like, oh, that's the first moment of like, I see what they were talking about now. Um, you know, but, but yeah, you're going to know your child better than anyone. And um that that has been universally true and of course as he got older as we were able to hold him eventually and you know get to know him and finally take him home like that has been more true than everything you know we not only do we know his personality better but even his pediatrician like we know his medical list we know his medical needs better than any of our doctors teams which is a little frightening sometimes but um <laughs> but i think that just knowing that, yeah, you're going to know your child better than anyone and you're going to have um, observations that if you if you think something is wrong, it they might say to you, a doctor might say to you, I think it's fine and it's okay to push back. Even if you don't have a medically fragile child, it's okay to push back and say, you know what, I really think that we should look deeper into this Um that trusting your instincts as a parent and and that knowledge as a parent is is really vital. I, yeah, I really hear what both of you are saying and I agree because I feel like that's when, for me, like the bond, like you notice the bond, Josie, like when you knew what your answer was, despite what the doctor was saying or whatever, because we have differences with our doctor on, on different things. Like they should be doing this. And I'm like, no, no, we're good. This is what we do. You know, and it's like, it's weird to say that, but it's empowering to say that. And it's, it's what, you know, is best for your family. And I, I love that with boys or, or in general, I think as we're parenting, we're, we're reparenting ourselves as we go and notice it's like totally like you see the need for therapy. You see the need for <laughs> not, I'm not currently in therapy, but I haven't been before. Uh, but you see the different messages that you got that society has and you're constantly like you said Becca like we're all these questions that you had for us Josh like they're going to be constantly brought up because we're always thinking oh I say this one thing but do I want to talk to them like this oh I don't like that and then my husband and I will talk about it and we're like oh I don't like this or I read this thing maybe we should switch up how we say this. I don't want to shame him. I don't want to do this. And so we discuss it and we, we find out maybe a better way that works for us. Or I notice he's getting really like, yeah, I notice the shame and I, I, I know where that's coming or and I have to stop myself. Sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> I have to stop myself because I have my own internalized shame about something, or I'm feeling like it's not okay to have strong feelings or to be upset so I'm trying to like stop myself and model for him. Like, 
mama feels upset right now. I need a little time out. It's hard for me to know. I, I made a mistake. So I think admitting, admitting when I'm having an emotion, um, being willing to walk away and show him like model, like healthy coping mechanisms with anger, which I do not always do. (laughs) Hear me on that. I'm just, I'm learning this, but I'm stopping myself and realizing like, Oh, I'm getting really angry about like toys or something just modeling for him healthy coping things so that he's as a boy not encouraged to just stuff it down and that he can have permission to be angry um mama can have permission to be angry sometimes and then we always come back together and try to make it right and like try to come to a good place together and and I think a really important thing as parents too is modeling apologizing and being in the wrong and like saying how you mess up and that you're, we're all learning. I, you know, mama's learning how to potty train you and you're learning how to potty train. Like <laughs> it's hard for me. This is hard for me. And this is hard for you. We're both learning, huh? It's hard. And like, just saying what's true. And I guess just modeling that I'm figuring out the emotion, the emotional intelligence that I want him to have as well. Yeah. And you're trying, I feel like you're trying to, take away this ideal of like perfectionism of a parent where it's maybe it sounds like it's detrimental, but I feel like it's, it's going to be overwhelmingly positive for, a, for like anyone, your son's age, any of your son's ages, just to continually see that of like, Oh, I'm trying, we're doing this together. I think that's amazing. And I think, I hope so. <laughs> Obviously, we don't know, but I think, I believe it. I think it'll be nice because I definitely saw, I definitely saw my parents as these like perfect beans and and other adults. I guess just seeing adults do it in general as a kid. Um, I was just like, oh, which is probably like I wanted to be like a, an adult when I was like 10 years old because I was like, adults have it all together. And then I turned 25 and I was like, that's not, I'm 30 and I still have, I don't have it all together. You know what I mean? Um but I think peeling back the layers and, and just being open like that, I, I really, I really like that. I think that's good. Yeah. That was very helpful, Mia. This is like a therapy session for me. So thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was like noting that for myself as well. <laughs> yeah. Just trust me. Anger comes out in random places as they get into the toddler ear- years. We're like, why are we so mad? Like, we'll take turns stepping away. Like, I see that my husband's really mad by the potty training accident, or I am, or whatever. We're like, you got it. You go. I can't. I can't. You know, so we're not doing this right, but we're just trying to get out, I guess, as it happens. I love that too, because it's also like, I, I feel like in the past, it was totally fine for parents to be angry. Like, at least in our case, like it was okay for your parents to be angry because it was the kid that did the bad thing. So it was, and so I I find it refreshing, like what you're saying. It's like both. It's like, of course we all have emotions. It's okay for us to be angry, but it's not okay for us to like lash out. It's good for us to be in touch with our emotions and talk about them. And it's okay for our kids to have emotions. Like all of it is okay. As long as everybody is safe and loved and like communicating. Um, Cause I, I think I feel this because we did see anger. I have this like sense that I need to never be angry, um, which ends up 
completely backfiring because then when I get angry, I'm really pissed. (laughs) Um, So it's like, you know, if I can like try and keep what you're saying in mind to just like keeping it in check and like talking about it. And sometimes I do like, sometimes I'll wake up, you know, and I didn't have enough sleep or I'm extra impatient that day. And so just being able to say it to myself, like, I don't have a lot of patience today, like helps to just, even if nobody else hears it, it helps it for me to say it out loud to myself so I can be, you know, paying attention to how I'm responding to everything. One of my last questions, and we can uh, get to wrapping it up soon. Um, is there any advice you have for for fathers? Well, I, I've been watching, I have not listened to these podcasts sorry, but I've been following you guys on Instagram. And I think a lot of the stuff that you're sharing about, um, just being a good partner is so, so great. Like I, I've seen some stuff that you've posted about like, um, having like, this is something that a big pet peeve of mine is like, just ask for help, like to women, just, you're so overburdened and you know things it's okay to ask for help and i've seen like stuff that you guys have posted about like yeah but that's putting another burden on the woman now instead of like now you have to also be the project manager it's like no guys like if we can yeah. you, you know like since we're talking about like gender things like just grow a pair and take out the trash like i'm not going to sit here and like tell you what to do and ask you like you know all right i just had a baby like i don't like, how can I help? Just make a meal. I don't know. Like, just figure it out. Um, so I think, I, I don't know. I just, I've been really, I've liked a lot of what you guys have been sharing. And I think it's all true. It's just, just pay attention. Like, just don't. And it's also empowering, maybe hopefully empowering to be able to say for men, like, you don't have to wait for somebody to do you. You're a just as active a participant in this relationship in this family as the woman is. So just be involved. Like nobody's, we want you to be involved. We don't want to tell you what to do. Just be involved. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't think, I think that's good advice for anybody in a relationship. I don't even know if you need to be in a, a parent to hear that. So I hear that. And thank you for that. Cause I definitely need to listen to that even just as a, not saying like only a husband, but in the case of not having kids, um, I need to hear that too. So thank you. I think I piggybacking on that. Um, you know, my advice would be like find multiple arenas to just become an expert in, um, you know, maybe you're the mealtime master and you pick out what the baby's going to eat, pick out, and then you manage, you know, oh, hey, do we have, oh, his favorite is carrots. Let's make sure we always have carrots in stock. Oh, if I notice we're running low on carrots, I'm going to add that to the shopping list, or I'm going to stop by on my way home from wherever I'm going, you know, pick several of those. Maybe you're, maybe one of the arenas is, um, reading books, you know, maybe one of those arenas is a developmental activities like that. Um, you know, but not to just wait, but like you said, just to, you know, um, get, get, get in the habit of noticing what, what needs to be done and being like the full project manager of like <laughs> several full, full tasks. Um, and I think that's something when to toot his horn, he is right over there. So, um, but, uh, he's, he's really good. He's, really good at that something that I appreciate and has definitely made parenthood 
a lot easier. Yeah, I'll just chime in on the mental load thing. This this was like a new concept to me a couple of years ago too, but I think that's so true. Um, I think I've been fortunate that because my husband's also at home working from home right now, hopefully I don't take advantage of it too much, but he's <laughs> become like the morning guy because I don't like getting up early and having young kids is about getting up early. I don't like it. Um, so since he's at home, I'm like, is it okay if I, you know, he, he lets me, he lets me sleep in a little bit extra. Cause that's where I get the best moments of sleep when I have these little ones. So, um, he's been letting me sleep in the morning a little bit and then he takes care of breakfast. So like, just like you said, Josie, just like having an area that's like, I can count on you in this way, like, you know what to do And here. I don't have to think about that. And of course I've said, you know, if this ever becomes a burden for your work schedule, please tell me, like, I don't want to I'm not trying to overburden you, but that's just been a way that he could care for me and for our kids. And he has his moments with them. We also switch off who kind of puts our son to bed and does bedtime where we lay down with him. Um, they have their own routines and funny things they say to each other, songs they listen to. So overhearing that is really sweet um, yeah. just to see the bond that, that they have. So yeah, just, just bonding with your kids, helping your partner out in whatever way. And then I think back to the, the personal growth thing. I think it's just really important for both of us to continue to just check the mental health things, the shame things, the things that we have as young people that we need to just um, continue to grow and to not bring that into our kids. Um, so yeah, my husband just learning to express his emotions more and me encouraging that in him and being patient with him on that. And he's been so good about, you know, apologizing when he feels like he's, you know, been too stern in a moment and hearing them kind of reconcile and make that right is really beautiful. Um, so I think just their, their emotional intelligence are like, you know, being developed and, and nurtured together, which is really cool. Um, yeah. And I think to tie back me, I, you know, at the beginning, we, we started talking about like the bond and the bond can take a while to build. Yeah. And I think mm -hmm. um, that is definitely true for fathers too. Um, we talk about it being difficult for fathers. We don't always talk about it being difficult for, for mothers. Um, but I think, you know, father's going into it knowing that, you know what, this is going to take some time. Yes. Like you're, they're cute. They're related to it. May, they might look exactly like your baby pictures. And if it, if you don't feel like that instant, like world changing love that people talk about with parenthood right away, it's okay. That will grow. And that will, that will be there. Um, but just having patience with that process. I think that's so true. And like, if you can keep that mentality of it's okay for me not to have this instant connection, but I'm going to take a few things that are going to be mine to be, like you said, the master of these arenas. It's like those spending those moments with your new kid are going to help that bond. So it's just like all of, all of it goes together. So I love what you, what you guys are saying. The last question I have is, what do you want your son to cherish? I want my son to cherish life, to um, 
to adventure, to get dirty, to taste lots of different foods, to travel. Like, I just want him to be, to explore, to meet people, to ask questions, to be curious, um, and just cherish all the wonder that there is in the world. And I, I, I don't think that's gender specific. I, I would want the same for a daughter. I, yeah. I want young, that's how I, I still want to look at life that way. And I think having a kid has really helped that. It's mm -hmm. been really fun to see the world be magic again. And I just, I, that's how I, I don't know. That's what I want him to cherish that there's just so much to learn. I think my answer is kind of similar. Um, you know, my worldview has shifted a whole lot um, since Lincoln was born. And I think what I come back to all the time is, is wonderful people in my life. Um, and I, I hope that, that Lincoln can find his own wonderful group of people, you know, friends that, that you meet and you're like, okay, you're a lifer. Um, you know, I hope that his life is full of, of people like that. And, you know, I think initially when he was born, I had some of those more, um, you know, thoughts that, that the society had put on me about like, I want him to be like, find a cool job to do that makes him happy. And I want him to like be able to go to the moon. And, um, you know, through all of what he's been through, we've just learned, I think like, I don't think that is what's most important in life anymore. I think it's finding moments of like, I hope he laughs every day and I hope he has people in his life that make him laugh every day. Because when I look at my own life, it's, I've gotten to do some really, really cool things, but that's not what has made my life wonderful. It's that laughter and it's the connections that I've made and, and the people that are in my life that have made my life so uh, rich and worth living. And so I hope that, I hope that that's what he can find and, and always hold on to. I love what you both said. I, I think, yeah, we have in American culture, especially it's about what you do, not who you are. And it's, you know, I'm having to unlearn that myself too, because I don't have a job right now. Right. And like, I need to speak kindly about myself in front of my son too and say like, I'm proud of myself. Like, I'm really, I'm really loving. I'm really silly. I'm really funny. Like, and speak that way so that he knows that his worth comes from himself and who he is, not what he does too, not what he becomes. I love that. Um, I think just to add more to that, I think just like the sweetness, the silliness, the love of um, people um, and cultures, his own culture, teach him to cherish um, his Filipino side, his Italian side, his Norwegian side, and just, yeah, just helping him to know about justice for people in, from a young age and like just yeah the way we talk about others and who's valuable and um that everyone's valuable about women being valuable and yeah it's not weird to see a woman doing yeah being a doctor doing different things you know um so I think just cherishing life I, I love what you both said though especially just because it's about the simple things and not trying to squash his silliness, his sweetness to just be a man, you know, like, <laughs> I don't, I don't hear that too often, but I have heard it in other circles where yeah. like, don't say that to a young boy, please don't, don't tell him to toughen up. Don't tell him not to cry. Please stop. <laughs> you know, like, 
Well, uh, thank you all for doing this. I really appreciate it and for all of your insight and, and thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, that was fun. Lincoln yeah. just woke up from his nap. Oh, oh perfect, perfect Yes. Yeah, Thanks, Josh. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, hi, other Josie. <laughs> <laughs> he's wearing pink. <laughs> I was about to say he's wearing pink. I love it. Yeah. That's my husband's favorite color, too. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So hi, oh, my goodness. I do need to say, even though it cuts off there, the other two moms did say thank you, and they're very appreciative of their time. They had some lovely compliments about myself, um, which I took horribly. That's just in my nature, a thing I have to work on. But thanks again for listening. If you liked this episode, go ahead and share with someone who might benefit from hearing it. You can subscribe. You can tag us on Instagram, at boysbehuman, and leave a review. Reviews are crucial, especially for newer podcasts like this one. Um, I loved this, the ending of this episode especially because when I asked them that question, they kind of just made it about being a good person, which is what us men should strive to be anyways. Uh, we should just be able to be a good person, a good human, um, as you know, the title of this podcast is Boys Be Human. And I just love that. It wasn't gendered or anything like that. It was just traits that anyone can, can listen to. And I just think it's very helpful for men to hear, like, just to try and be a good person. I think that's good. And I have to, I have to take that too. I have to take it myself. Um, the music you hear is by Polaroid Bear. You can check out his music at his website in the show notes. Also in the show notes, we have uh, the handle at social justice parenting that one of the moms throws out there during the talk. And also we have all the information on Molly and Sam's podcast called The Hold Up. Check them out on Apple Podcasts and wherever else you get your podcasts. Thanks again for listening. And I'll talk to you soon.